Hey there, welcome to the Vent Podcast, your favorite corner of the podcast universe where we let off some steam on your favorite Charlotte Hoops franchise. If you could, make sure you leave us a five-star review on iTunes, refer us to a friend, or share us on Twitter at at VentPod. And without further ado, Eric Collins. And welcome to the second episode of the Vent Podcast. Today we're welcome, welcoming on Dylan Jackson and Steve of the QGB, the Queen's Guard, a recent upstart that covers Charlotte sports. Guys, welcome to the podcast. What's hey, up? Uh, it's great to be here. <laughs> Glad to have you guys on. Um, you guys are also co-stars on the 11th Pick Podcast, a name with uh, some great historical meaning, if you guys want to explain that real quick. Uh, go ahead, Dylan. All right. Well, um, as you probably know, the Hornets have had the 11th overall pick two years in a row now with a 36 and 46 record. It is um, likely that they get that again, thus bringing us to the eternal state of the team, which would be par 500, you know, just mediocrity. So we got the 11th pick podcast name. Everybody seems to love it, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been consistent throughout our little short tenure of being a podcast. So yeah, yeah, we're kind of like banking on a the eleventh pick again. Yeah, we're we're banking yeah. on having the eleventh pick again just for the, the sake of the podcast. Probably like a big <laughs> special event. Who knows? <laughs> Emergency podcast if it happens. Right. I mean, honestly, odds are looking good right now, but. uh to let you guys know, you can find Dylan Jackson on Twitter at, at Dylan Jackson NBA and Steve at, at Stevens Tweets underscore. Uh, we're going to hop right into it, guys. We're going to go uh, straight into the current state of the Charlotte Hornets. First up, I want to discuss uh, Malik Monk and his recent disappearance in James Rodriguez's offense. Um, so far, Malik Monk hasn't exactly played a meaningful game. Uh, since over a month ago, really, uh, I think December December 11th was his last meaningful game where he played minutes against Indiana. Uh, last night, he shot 3-for-12 from the field, 2-for-9 from 3 for 10 points, 1 assist, 5 rebounds, and 2 turnovers in 26 minutes of play. Uh, he shot 7-of-14 in the December 15th game where he played meaningful, meaningful minutes. Uh, what do you guys feel about Malk? Um, well, I mean, what is there not to think about? He's kind of fallen out of the rotation just like he did last year in Steve Clifford's system. Um, he hasn't really played any meaningful minutes since the All-Star break, which is somewhat disappointing given we're pretty bad right now. Um, he played, you know, 26 minutes last night, 10 points, but he did only shoot 25% from the field, which is not what you want from a scoring shooting guard, especially one which is probably going to be a starter next year when Jeremy Lamb inevitably leaves and gets a larger contract elsewhere. So while he hasn't looked necessarily like a promising prospect recently, he still is only 21 years old, and I, I don't think you can give on him, give up on him just yet. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, we can all we all see the potential that he has. It, I mean, he just hasn't had a 
he hasn't had a good shooting game since like the beginning of February, which is really worrisome against like I want to say the Grizzlies, and then probably the Bulls after that. He had a good back to back, but ever since then he's kind of fallen off. He's not shooting at a good a uh, good rate right now. I want to say he's like low thirties from like beyond the arc, and you know he's supposed to be our three point guy, which which I mean it sucks that he's not coming along. So I mean this, he's got a lot of DMPs and hate to see it for him, but hopefully he can turn it around. And what doesn't make any sense to me is before the All-Star break and specifically before the trade deadline, uh, Malik Monk was getting a lot of minutes, seeing a lot of playtime in James Borrego's rotation. And he actually inspired a lot of Charlotte Hornets fans to start to believe in him, start to build some faith. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a large reason that Hornets fans were against the Marcus Altry, thinking that uh, we were, we were going to have to give up a prospect and giving up Malik Monk for Marcus Altry just wouldn't have been worth it considering his play at the time. Uh, but now he has DMPs, as you said, Steve, and it seems that he's fallen out of the rotation once again for obvious concerns with his defense and general fit with the team. But it's just interesting that it's crazy how quickly things can change on him. And, I mean, if you could go back, do you guys think you would take that Marcus Hall trade? Okay. Like, okay, I, I, I still wouldn't take the Marcus Hall trade. Um, because you're at the end of the day, you're still giving up two assets for a player that could likely walk in the summer. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit more about Malik Monk, just because you can't ever expect him to become a consistent player, a consistent starter, if you don't give him a consistent amount of minutes. You can't fluctuate that every two weeks or so. You can't give him 25 minutes one week and then just take it all away for him to just completely drop out of the rotation. I think that is completely detrimental to his development and really the Charlotte Hornets' future, if you understand where I'm coming from. I, I'm right there with you. I mean, even you can look at some of the guys in this draft. I was looking at this earlier, and the guy that was picked right behind him, Luke Kennard, is, he's really coming along right now, too, and he's averaging like 15 points per game this month on a small sample size. But he's being around like 22 minutes all season and shooting around 40%. And, I mean, that's a pretty big part of Detroit's offense right now. And, it's kind of what we need from Monk, and we're just not getting it from him. But the difference in, is in Detroit is Kennard is starting to see an increased role, and he's been given that consistent role all season. Yeah, exactly. He's, yeah, he's been allowed to flourish in that, and it's been highs and lows, but when he reaches the lows, they let him play through instead of just benching mm-hmm. him with the MPs. Right. Um, recently on Twitter, I actually saw some discussion on whether or not the Hornets should include Malik Monk as trade bait this offseason. I know we just touched on that with Marcus Saul, but what do you guys think uh, about dangling Monk to uh, relieve some some money in the books? I personally would not do it, um, just because at the end of the day, you're probably going to end up losing Kimball Walker unless they like force him to sign a contract on Jan- on uh, June, July. I'm sorry, first. Um, so I, I personally wouldn't look to do it you're probably not going to get a free agent anyways, even if you do free up some cap room, at least one of a major caliber. And at the end of the day, I'm not really sure how much Malik Monk is going to relieve. He's probably not going to get rid of Batum's contract. It's probably not going to get rid of Biombo um, for, you know, something reasonable. I'm not just, I'm not sure what he could be included in that would be worth it for the Hornets. (laughs) in really either sense, relieving cap space or retaining value in their young players. Yeah, I mean, the only way I would do it is, like, we're getting, like, a like a star back. And, I mean, at that point, it would he would have to come along at the end of the season, and then I would still kind of be skeptical of moving him away. 
I agree with you guys. I'm in, I'm in complete agreement. Uh, the only way the Hornets should trade any of their assets, whether it be future picks, current young prospects, which they have very few of, uh, is if they're getting a star player back, a legitimate player that they can put next to Kemba, that obviously boosts their standings and not the mediocrity treadmill. Uh, next up, I want to talk about Dwayne Bacon and his recent resurgence. Uh, he actually has missed 15 games uh, while he was in Greensboro, and he's missed 23 games just due to Borrego not playing him this year. Um, but actually, in the past three games, he's played basically 20-plus minutes in every game. Uh, his stats don't exactly stand out. I think he's averaging like four points, like two rebounds, something like that. Um, but it's the little things if you're watching the games. I mean, at one point, I know that it was halftime and Bacon played really well in the first half. And then to come to start the second half, they inserted Bacon into the starting rotation, I guess you could say. Bacon does little things, and I think that's where his prospect value is. How do you guys feel about Dwayne? I really like Dwayne. Um, I personally see him as the Hornets' best two-way player, which is kind of ironic because we don't have many of those. Um, I think he is incredible value for where we picked him two years ago in the draft in the second round, 40th overall, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, but, you know, against the Rockets, 35 minutes, 13 points, 5 for 11 from the field. Um, it's just kind of crazy to me how he doesn't get the minutes given he is a good player on both offense and defense, or at least a plus guy on both ends of the floor. Um, he's, you know, just a do-it-all guy, and for that reason alone, I'm kind of surprised he just doesn't get more playing time. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, it seems like every time he gets put into the game, he at least contributes in some form, like whether it be defense or knocking down shots, attacking the basket, creating for other guys. I mean, he's he's an all-around solid player. It's kind of a, a the question mark of why he keeps keeps getting sent up to the to Greensboro Swarm. But I like Bacon. I mean, I I can see him having a role here in the NBA. Hopefully, with us long term. And he's killing it in Greensboro, right? Like, yeah. I mean. He's averaging more than 30, I'm pretty sure. Like Every single time I see an update, it's Bacon scores 30. Bacon sent back to the Hornets. Yeah. Bacon sent back to the Swarm. <laughs> every other day. Um, next up, I want to talk about Frank Kaminsky. Uh, just talk about him briefly because any Charlotte Hornets podcast you listen to is going to talk about Frank Kaminsky, and you can listen to them for that. But I just wanted to, I want to acknowledge, because Frank deserves this, uh, He's playing good basketball. He's definitely seeing the minutes, and he's playing good basketball, playing with a chip on his shoulder. Um, but he's obviously not a part of the plans in the future, so I just want to acknowledge that in the present, Frank is playing very good basketball. Yeah, I mean, he is playing good basketball. He's kind of proven me wrong just a little bit, but um, <laughs> it is kind of disappointing to see that he's catching fire when the Hornets are, well, losing. Um you know, he's had a couple 20-plus point games in the past couple of, I guess, past two weeks, I guess, is when his pretty good stretch has been. But, um, yeah, he kind of tried to force his force the Hornets' hand in a buyout, which didn't work his way. And um, that's kind of unprecedented to see from a guy on a rookie contract. I know you yeah. touched on that in your last podcast, though. Um, so <clears throat> I, I could see I, – I, I mean – He's probably going to go to a different team. I don't think the Hornets will extend the qualifying offer to him this offseason. Yeah. Um, so it should be interesting. To, I want to see how much money he gets because I think he's going to get something like a Mario Hazonia-type deal from the Knicks, um, like they gave Hazonia okay. yeah. uh, last offseason, like a 
two-year, $6 million deal or something like that. Right. Like a one-in-one prove-yourself type contract. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, he's obviously he's been like Wally consistent with the rotation, but every time he comes in, he's at least sort of performed. I mean, he's kind of turned into like our like third or fourth scoring option behind Kimba and Lamb. So, I mean, kudos to him. And I mean, he probably went back with the team, so it is what it is. But shout out to Frank. Next up, Devontae Graham. Uh, he's played in 34 games for the Hornets this year. Uh, Dylan, I know you posted a tweet recently, I think in the past week where you post the question, do you think, or something along the lines of, who would you want to take the point guard position given that Kemba leaves? I think like over 60% of the voters uh, sided with Devontae Graham. Uh, what were your, I know you had a strong initial reaction to that. What What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was a little bit surprised, you know. Devontae Graham has actually been pretty solid coming um, from just a second round pick standpoint. Uh, but he is like a a facilitator, I guess, you know, your prototypical point guard. Um, so I could see him starting next year. But I am surprised that more people didn't vote Malik Monk or, you know, whoever we pick with the possibly 11th overall selection this year, whether it be <laughs> Darius Garland or um, some other player. So I was I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, I didn't include Shelvin Mack for obvious reasons. He's been pretty bad. <laughs> Um, but they, uh, yeah, I, I was, blame him? No. no, I don't. I think, I think he's played <laughs> like one game and he was horrible in it. So, I, if, if, if we started shoving Mac, I don't know if I could watch a single <laughs> game. Tank Commander. Uh, that's when I turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I picked uh, Devonte Graham in that poll, but um, I mean, like, really, it was kind of like a who else, and I don't like really yeah. trust Monk running the entire offense, so. I mean, at least with Graham, like, Graham is, you know, I feel like he's older. He's smart. Than, he's yeah, smart. He's, he's a smart basketball player, so he knows what he's, knows what he's going to get himself into when he's running the offense, and he's a good playmaker. He can make his own shot. He can score. He hasn't really done it a lot in the NBA in the NBA yet, but, you know, at the G League level, at least he's showing he's had some some promise. And, I don't know, four-year starter at Kansas, I think he can get the job done. Do we do we waive Tony Parker if um, Kemba Walker walks? Yeah, I hope so. I would, I, if he doesn't retire, yes. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would think so. Because the only reason Tony was here was to compete because he knew he wasn't going to get minutes in San Antonio. Oh, um, man, why did he come here to compete? <laughs> <laughs> That's the question of the day. Um, Is that French language? Oh, you're right, you're right. Uh, the thing with Devontae Graham for me was he's he makes smart reads and he's a good player in small samples, but... He's probably not the point guard of the future, but if he yeah. had to fill in, if he had to fill in for like a year here or there and take him a spot, I'd be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're going to move on to the main rookie, I guess you could say, uh, Miles Bridges. Uh, when I looked at Miles Bridges' game log when I was doing some research for this, uh, he actually has only missed two games this season. Uh, it didn't say whether it was for injury or DMPs, but. Uh, he's only missed two games this season, which is pretty good health-wise. Uh, he's averaging about eight points and four rebounds since the All-Star break. Uh, and he's playing really well in large doses now. He's in the starting lineup. He's fitting really well on the wings of the future, I guess you could say, with Batum. Um, I'm really impressed with Miles Bridges so far, and I think it speaks volumes about uh, Mitch Kupchak's drafting ability, especially in his first year with 
a little amount of time to do any research or anything like that. Uh, I'm excited about Miles Bridges and I'm excited about what it means going forward. Yeah, I like Miles Bridges. Um, I'm not sure that I'm too high on his ceiling per se. Like, I think he can be a solid starter or a solid rotational piece. But when you're looking to build the starting lineup of the future, um, I'm not really sure how he fits in. Because if the ultimate goal is to win a championship, um, the most important position is going to be small forward, right? Mm -hmm. So you want a star, and I'm just not sure that Miles Bridges could be the star that you want in the starting lineup. So looking to the future, I think that he could probably be, you know, like a rotational forward, first man off the bench type of guy. Um, however, I'm not sure that you'd necessarily want him in the starting lineup. He is a really, really solid player, and he's a very good all-around type of guy. You know, he can hit the three, he can get to the rim. He's very, very athletic. But, you know, looking at star power, unless I see, like, some major, major improvement um, over the next couple of years, I'm not necessarily sure that he has that. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think the main thing he needs to work on is, like, being able to create his own shot and, like, getting to the basket on a more efficient rate. Um, I mean, other than that, I, I kind of have the same vision for him as Dylan does. With, I mean, I, I could see him being like a like a Morris twin kind of role, which is like that guy that's like slotted in on the floor, plays good defense, can knock down a shot and like cut to the rim on occasion. He might be able to go off for 20 points one night. Probably not, but it'd be nice. But yeah, I mean, going forward, I could see him being like in that spot, coming off the bench maybe next to like a, a better small forward kind of kind of player. I mean, he'd be one hell of a spark plug to be like, I mean, yeah. that highlight reel material is obviously something that was a big draw for Lawrence fans. Um, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you guys again. I don't think he's a starting caliber small forward moving forward. Um, but as you said, Dylan, small forward is a position and wing in general is just a position that the Hornets need to focus in more uh, because they've been focused on Kemba Walker as their point guard of the future and their centerpiece of the franchise for the longest time. They need wing help as they have for like the past decade. Uh, moving into some prospects where they can start to address these issues. Uh, right now, the Hornets are actually slotted for the 10th pick in the draft. Um, but for comedy's sake, we're going to say that they get, they get the 11th pick. Mm. Uh, for you guys, if the Hornets are up with the 11th pick in the draft, who are the prospects, or who is the prospect that you would target? I've got, okay, so there's one guy I've got particularly in mind, and I'll give you one player I'm going to take. Um, I would, I would like, run this card up to Adam Silver. I would take Bol Bol. Um, and he is a, you know, he's a 7'3 guy. But I see him as a forward more than a center. I think he can do it all on offense. I have a lot of concern about his defense and his injury, for a matter of fact. However, if you're the Hornets, you need to take a risk in this draft. You cannot take... Okay. I mean, as much as I love pro-ready players like Mikel Bridges, you're not going to... You can't take him or a player like him in this draft. You have got to take the biggest boom or bust guy you can find. And I think in this draft and in that area, it's got to be Bulbul because, you know, he isn't a rim protecting type of guy. However, he is and could be a really, really nice forward um, attacking the floor, um, 
from the perimeter, he's been really, really good actually for Oregon. Um, he's he's actually been shooting a lot of threes in the nine games that he's played, and at a very efficient level as well. So I would take Ball Ball. He's an electrifying, tall forward. Um, doesn't really have an NBA frame quite yet, uh, but if you're looking to take a risk, um, which the Hornets need to do to get out of what they're in right now, which is 36 and 46 every single year, you've got to take a player like this. And um, as for the guy I wouldn't take, I wouldn't take Darius Garland, um, point guard out of Vanderbilt. And uh, the main reason I wouldn't take him is because I don't want to be locked into a point guard of the future. For instance, look at the Cavaliers this season with Colin Sexton. They took him last year. Um, He was probably one of the better player on their boards. However, he is a point guard and he can't slot down a position or up a position because, you know, he's 6'3". I don't think he has the physical tools to move down to the two. So he just isn't much of a creator for them this year. And um, had they taken another player like Kevin Knox, like Miles Bridges, then they probably could take a look at Ja Morant this year. And um, looking forward next year, there's a ton of really, really top point top point guards in that class and should the Hornets lose Kemba Walker they're going to have a better pick okay real quick I think I think you're picking on Sexton a little bit here um your whole the point about uh sticking yourself to a point guard of the future is, is a very valid point and I'll I'll give you that for sure but I mean I think it's it's a case study with Sexton and just the fact that he doesn't have the players necessary around him to work um, I obviously agree that he hasn't played well this year either, and I'm glad the Hornets didn't take him. Um, but you look at cases like John Wall in Washington. Uh, they drafted him as the point guard of the future, and it's kind of worked out until they offered him one of the worst contracts in the league. But um, <laughs> they, it's certain cases where this does work, and I think it's uh, you have to go by a prospect-by-prospect basis. It's not a... If you can't just lock yourself into a point guard of the future, like that's not something you have to avoid. Uh, Darius Garland could very well be a pick that the Hornets could make if Kemba Walker leaves, in my opinion. Uh, Steve, uh, do you want to go ahead and do your prospect? Um, I mean, I will. I'll give you guys one. I'm not. I'm not nearly as caught up on on the draft prospects as either of you, but uh, I'm gonna go ahead and homer and pick Nasir Little. I think. We haven't seen a lot from him from UNC. He hasn't like broken into the uh, into the lineup. But if he's around at that at that pick, I think he has like the potential and like enough of that risk that Dylan is looking for that the Hornets can pull the trigger and like maybe he can turn into that that guy he was supposed to be going into college. So I'll look at him for sure around there. Dylan, you've watched more UNC than I have. He's starting now, right? No, he's not. Um, I think he is. He's still off the bench. It's uh. So they got Kobe White, um, Kobe, Kenny Williams, Cam Johnson, Luke May, and then uh, the, the, whoever the center is. I can't forget his name. Brooks. I swear he started the other day. All right. Um, I like him to see a little. Uh, I've actually, as I've kind of dug into him a little bit more, I've actually put him above Seku Domboya, who Dylan knows I was very high on going into the draft process. But yeah. <clears throat> with everything considered, uh, with the boomer bust potential that Dylan was talking about with Bull Bull, I simply wouldn't take him this high. 
if they got, say, the 15th pick, as I'm going to touch on later, I would mm-hmm. definitely go for him there. Uh, but with the 11th pick, if DeAndre Hunter is there, I don't see how you pass up on him if you're the Hornets. Uh, Spencer Percy kind of talked me to him uh, last week, or, yeah, it was last week, I guess. And I did a little more research on him, watched a little bit more film, and he's exactly what this Hornets team needs. He's not exactly that that go-to scoring presence that you need at the small forward position, but he can slide down to the power forward. He can guard one through five. Uh, he's got the seven-two wingspan. And really, when you look around at this Hornets team, they need multi-positional defenders. Uh, Dylan, you talked about earlier that Dwayne Bacon is their best two-way player. And the fact that our best two-way player is spending time in the G League speaks volumes about <laughs> <laughs> the, the wing depth and the way that this team has been built. So I think if DeAndre Hunter is available, you got to go with him. I mean, I could see that. Um, I like DeAndre Hunter a lot. He's, I don't think he lasts until maybe quite 11. Uh, but I could see him being a day one starter um, for potentially the Hornets. I think he'd probably take a starting job away from Marvin Williams already at the four. Um, you know, wait, it's so time for it, that. Let's see. So it would. All right. So our starting lineup next year, let's just assume Kemba Walker walks, would be right. Devontae Graham, Nick Batum, um, Miles Bridges, DeAndre Hunter, I guess, and Cody Zeller. It's like 20 wins. <laughs> um, that sounds like Cole Anthony to me. Uh, uh, so, Dylan, I guess what I'm asking here is, would you, if you're up with the 11th pick, would you take Bull Bull or DeAndre Hunter? Um, I'd still probably take Bull Bull, just because <sighs> I'm feeling kind of um, dangerous, I guess. <laughs> you have an agenda to meet, we understand. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, what do you, what do you think, Steve? What, uh, like DeAndre Hunter or, or Little? No, DeAndre Hunter. Bull. Okay, DeAndre Hunter, Bull, Bull, or Nessie or Little? Uh, I'd probably pick DeAndre Hunter if he fell that far. I was just assuming he was already gone. Okay. I mean, it's. I mean, I think there are like 10, 10 good players, maybe eight or nine actual good players in this draft that are like have actual star potential, mm-hmm. uh, and it really falls off after that. So, here's to hoping the Hornets can lock themselves into. 9 or 10 or possibly a top 4 pick. But assuming the worst, or the best in some fans' cases, uh, the Hornets make the playoffs, and they get swept in a first-round series against the Milwaukee Bucks. So then they they end up with the 15th pick, we'll say. Uh, Now you're in a position where all the star prospects or star-level prospects with instant starter value are pretty much off the board. Who do you guys think you would take with the 15th overall pick? Who do you guys think you would take with the 15th overall pick? I would think. This one's a little bit more tough. Um, you go ahead. I'm still picking my player. I, <laughs> I would just <laughs> want to pick Bull Bull for every reason that Dylan said. <laughs> you know what? I'm in, I'm in, I'm in complete, complete agreement, too. Uh, I was, I was going to say Bull Bull. Or I also put down uh, Rui Hachimura or Brandon Clark. Uh, basically, if they end up in this slot, the Hornets need to address 
uh, team need, I guess you could say, because, I mean, they're not many. I mean, other than Bobo going boom or bust, um, this team is going to need some help considering that Kemba Walker might stay if they make the playoffs. Uh, so I would say Bobo or Rui Hachimura mm-hmm. just to address front court help. Or if Monk can be traded, as I talked about earlier, I think you could look at uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker or maybe even Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, I touched on Kevin Porter Jr. on one of my latest articles on Queen City Hoops. Uh, he's definitely another boomer bust prospect they should look at on the wing. Yeah, um, I would take Kevin Porter. Uh, I was just looking at it. He's a boomer bust guy. He's got a versatile offensive game. Um, defense could use some work, but he's yeah. a high upside guy. Um, not really sure what's going on with his suspension or anything. I know it's over now, but he was suspended for about two months or so. And that's certainly not what you want. But um, it does feed into the narrative that he's going to be either really good or really bad. Um, which I want, like, on the morning. <laughs> I want all of it. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, and so the question of the hour, let's say, let's say we're not going to be, we're not going to be too crazy out here. We're not going to say that the Hornets get the number one overall pick because I think we all know who the Hornets should take if they get the number one pick, and it's clearly Bobo. Okay. <laughs> But we'll say we'll say the Hornets get the second pick or the second or third pick. Who would you guys target as the top prospect? Give me RJ Barrett. And um again, I'm running that card to Adam Silver. He is a um he is one of the few players in this draft that can take over a game. He's got the it factor. And when looking at the top guys, what separates you know, the top of the line guys from the middle of the pack would be whether they can take over a game in the fourth quarter. And I've seen multiple games where RJ Barrett can do exactly that. So that's what I would take. I'm right there with you. You've seen him do that. And then you've also kind of seen him like, for instance, like their first matchup against Gonzaga where he took over the game and he couldn't hit anything. And then he would not let Zion touch the ball, which is kind of a problem. But I mean, you live and you live and learn from those situations. So like, I guess it's best to kind of get that out of the way now. And I mean, there's, uh, I haven't watched a ton of them because I try to avoid watching Duke for personal reasons <laughs> but i mean it seemed like he can do just about i mean pretty much anything on a from an offensive standpoint maybe some defense to work on but um i mean yeah if you have a chance to take rj baird that he could possibly be a generational player so you have to jump at that i agree i i would select rj baird as well mainly because at duke we've seen him be the guy uh, he has Zion next to him, and I think what the Hornets have needed for the longest time is a guy. They need a guy to put next to Kemba Walker, a guy to get them buckets in crunch time, a guy to lead the offense other than from a six-foot point guard's perspective. Um, but playing devil's advocate a little bit here, let's say that the Hornets get the third pick or Kemba, we, they have – they have an indication that Kemba Walker will leave in free agency. Should the Hornets consider John Morant? Um, okay. As much as I love John Morant, I would not take him. And um, that's 
that's based on me. That's based on how I would build a team. But I would look for I wouldn't really look for a point guard in this draft um, because that point guard, I don't really see a guy um, in my own opinion that would fit the mold. That's the NBA is moving towards, which would be a larger point guard who can play defense, who can hit the three. And um, I'm not sure that John Morant fits that mold. So I would personally look at um, a guy like Cam Reddish or Jarrett Culver, um, possibly one of those two with the third or fourth overall pick. And that's that's saying something, too, because Dylan, before before all the hype, before everything, I remember he had John Morant as like one of his top 15 prospects. Where yeah, he was like, like nine, eight or nine. Was, yeah, like everybody else had him at like 20, 25. And I mean, that's just shout out Dylan for knowing what he was doing. Um, in my opinion, I would not take John Morant either just because I think RJ Barrett has that it factor and John Moran does too, but just as we talked about before, wouldn't you rather build around the small four position than the point guard position mm-hmm. in most cases, in most cases? Definitely. I'm on the, I'm right there with you guys. Um, I mean, the only way I would take him is if all three of those guys are already off, uh, Zion, Barrett and, and Reddish. I like Moran's game. And I mean, if Kemba's leaving, then like it is what it is. You would, like you just said, you'd rather build around a, you want to build your team around your small forward. So, and I like Reddish as a player. I mean, I kind of almost feel like he has better potential than Barrett sometimes, but he just really hasn't shown any kind of consistency whatsoever for me to trust picking him over Barrett at this point. Yeah. Hasn't really got the ball either enough. Yeah. To, yeah, to be fair. <laughs> and when he does, he doesn't exactly perform, but go ahead, Dylan. I want to say that positional value goes so underrated when going and looking at the NBA draft. Um, just last year, I mean, you saw DeAndre Ayton, a center who's granted he's been really, really good this year. He's been fantastic for the Phoenix Suns. He's been doing it um, inside the paint. He's been a better defender, advanced, um, like advanced analytics has looked at him favorably. Um, however, again, the wing is now the dominant position in the NBA. Um, Luka Doncic is the best rookie in this class and was probably going to be a top 10 player um in the nba when he hits his prime which i can't really see Aiton doing and um you look at the wings in the nba how many wings are top 10 players versus how many bigs so i mean i think that's that's about it yeah anthony davis um joel Embiid, yeah Jokic, maybe yeah Jokic. Yeah. yeah yeah And that's about that's about it. The rest are wings and maybe Westbrook. All right. I don't have Westbrook. I don't have Westbrook as a top ten player. Uh, um, here we go again. <laughs> we've, had, we've had this conversation before. I think I think I've got two guards, and that's Harden and Curry. Um, yeah, Harden. I, I, I can forget You said Harden what? I consider Harden a point guard, so I guess those yeah. two guards. But, you know, like Wings, Paul George, LeBron James, um, Giannis, uh, Kawhi, Kevin Durant. Who else? Well, I mean, right there, that's already six. And then you throw Jokic, Embiid, and Anthony Davis in. That's nine. Yeah. So, so we, we got our channel top ten. Yeah. Half Over half of which are Wings, so... Point proven, I guess you could say. Yep. Um, all right. This has been 
the second episode of the Vent Podcast. I would like to thank Dylan Jackson and Steve for coming on the podcast. They are writers for the QGB, the Queen's Guard, which is you can find them on Twitter at at Dylan Jackson NBA and at Stevens Tweets. You can also find the QGB at, at the QGB. And make sure you check out the 11th Pick podcast as well. They do great work on there. Guys, thank you for coming on.